Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Just Shiatsu podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Zielinski, and today I want to continue our readings of the Suen. The chapters keep getting a little shorter as I continue deeper into the Suen. This is due to the fact that there's a lot of lot more descriptions of diseases and things like that to give examples of what they're talking about. And if you've heard me talk about it in the past, I have edited most of those out to just get to the principle. So my rewrites are significantly shorter in a lot of ways. So for today, that means we'll be reading three chapters because otherwise the podcast will be five minutes long. So we're going to do chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. So we'll start with chapter 14. So in chapter 14, this chapter has a lot of reference to herbs and mixing the medicines. And again, because my focus is on touch medicine, kind of generalize or find the the principal idea ex- being expressed in the chapter or something that we can take away from the chapter and be used for touch medicine. There is one statement in this chapter that I highlighted as very important to myself when I rewrote it. And again, we get another statement that kind of embodies what I would consider one of the huge principles of the medicine. But of course, it's also vague and it could be interpreted in many ways. I leaned into the ideas and formulations I've developed through my own experiences with the medicine. So again, you can listen to it and decide for yourself if I'm making an interpretation that that fits your your idea of the medicine as well. So again, it's it's another statement that focuses heavily on the idea of spirit. And again, it's about the idea if the spirit's not employed, you aren't going to get results. In my original writings, I added a, a big section of commentary here for myself to try and give myself a little deeper understanding. And I'll go over what I what I wrote there. And I was basically saying that we know the spirit is the most effective in a state that is tranquil or peaceful. And then if we reflect back into the last chapter, there's also a suggestion there that if we fail in our treatment, it could be because as the practitioner, our heads weren't in the right place. So again, not being present with the patient the whole time. So the idea here is we should be focusing on the patient without creating conflict in our mind. And when I try to think of like what simple word or concept kind of embodies this sort of feeling, and the only word that I really came up with is is love. So by loving the person under our hands, we can create a sense of acceptance of who they are and where they are without creating any sense of conflict. What happens when we do this is it gives no force in the direction we want as the practitioner. So we're not forcing someone into something they don't want to do. And if you remember, again, reflecting back into the last chapter, if the patient doesn't want the treatment, don't work on it because it won't be effective. I also could influence, or I also could interpret that as another way to say, if we're being too forceful, the patient has the ability to like contract or fight against what we're trying to offer. Um, So this is another big thing that in my sort of work is trying to find this sort of acceptance, this sort of allowance that that can happen in the work without being forceful. Uh, I don't know if I've ever said it before, but I do believe there's some unspoken sort of dynamics going on there. And even though we might not be saying it out loud, 
what we're saying to ourselves is influencing the way our hands are working and the way we're interacting with the person beneath us. And they can feel that. They might not be able to feel it in a way where they could tell me what I'm thinking, but they'll feel something different than what maybe they wanted. So just something to keep in mind there. So working with this state of mind allows a free expression of anything that can happen. And this allows their own spirit to come on board and make the adjustments they need. And basically what this comes down to is, is this statement in this chapter is suggesting that a heavenly element of connection is needed beyond just the employment of the things we think that we need to cure or heal. Um, so it goes beyond the mechanical methods or the, the steps that people have created in the past to create these healing methods. I also think this applies to the patient, right? This is what we were just talking about, them needing or wanting to be on board with the treatment. So in a, in a general way, the treatment starts with us first settling our spirit within, but it ends with them. So they have to be part of the process. All right, so that was a very long-winded analysis of a very simple statement in this, this chapter. But we'll go right into the chapter again. It's a very short chapter. So chapter 14 starts. Why is grain important for treatment? Grain is a blend of heaven and earth chi when ready for harvest. It is important to remember the people of middle antiquity started to lose their way and for that reason, outside influences had a greater effect on their bodies. These effects were then treated with concoctions and were usually effective. These concoctions were from natural sources of food and drink. The people of today have lost their way completely. And for this reason, the concoctions of the middle antiquity had little to no effect. The concoctions of today are made with strong toxic drugs that attack the center. They also started to employ stones, needles, and moxa to treat the exterior. When the physical body and the fluids are disordered and a therapy is given correctly, why is it that success is not always established? The spirit was not employed. This is for all therapies of the exterior. The spirit essence fails to enter and the mind is disordered. A disease cannot heal. When the essence is destroyed and the spirit has dispersed in the patient, the ying chi and wei chi cannot be gathered. This can happen when their cravings and desires have no limits. If they are always anxious and find suffering everywhere, this is how essence chi is destroyed. The ying chi cannot pass freely and the wei chi vanishes. The spirit has left and the disease does not heal. When a disease first appears, you will see it first as it enters the skin and produces conglomerations there. At this stage, the disease is subtle on the surface and minor. It is generated on the exterior. In this instance, the root and tip must be balanced and the disease will resolve. Some diseases do not emerge on the surface, but instead the yang chi is exhausted. The body liquids collect in places above. The essence is weakened in the interior. The chi has vanished from the exterior. In this situation, the chi is blocked within and the physical appearance on the outside has become altered. When of this nature, focus must be given to restoring balance within. When accumulations have settled, they need to be removed. Slightly move the forelimbs and dress in warm clothes. 
When accumulations are present, use the left to excite the right. In this way, stimulating both sides will generate balance. Open the demon gates and clean the pure place and the essence will recover in time. When the five yang qi have spread everywhere, this means the five depots are functioning and storing properly again. This means essence is once again generated properly of its own design. The physical appearance will begin to restore and strengthen. The bones and flesh will protect each other. The grand qi will be balanced. That is the end of chapter 14. Uh, if we move into chapter 15, again, this is just another short rewrite for me. The things that really kind of come out as important in this chapter is they kind of talk about the terms of opposition and compliance. And they're just terms of ways of movement. So opposition means something that's entered the body that has created a counterflow. And compliance means something that has entered the body that is moving in the natural order it should. But these will be clarified in the text. So hopefully that makes a little more sense. And they talk about a couple books here um, from the past. I don't believe there's real clarity as to what they're actually talking about. But there'll be references to some old books here. So we'll read chapter 15. And again, the chapter starts. And the two texts of to estimate and measure and the strange and the normal are different perspectives. To estimate and measure, this is about if a disease is on the surface or in the depth. The strange and the normal, this discusses strange diseases. Looking at the principles, whether talking about the five complexions, the changes in the movement of the vessels, to estimate and measure, or the strange and normal, the principle is still ruled by one. The spirit follows a pattern in a particular order. This means it moves forward and does not go backwards. When it goes backwards, it no longer transforms and follows the circular pattern. When this happens, one's vitality is lost. Transformation will become chaotic and life will be lost. Life needs order and clear direction to maintain itself. The principles are always observable, but they are subtle. Above is opposition, below is compliance. In females, on the right is opposition and on the left is compliance. In males, on the left is opposition, and on the right is compliance. A change to doubling yang qi and doubling yin qi, this indicates death. When yin and yang turn into another state, treat where weight and beam have lost balance. To practice principles in the strange and the normal, one starts from the tai yin. If a movement of disease proceeds to an organ which the originating organ cannot dominate, this is called opposition. If a movement of a disease proceeds to an organ which the originating organ can dominate, this is called compliance. The cycle of domination of the eight winds and the four seasons comes to its end and begins anew. If an opposing movement occurs excessively, the principles of the cycles cannot be reestablished. Death is possible. So that's the end of chapter 15. If we move on to our last chapter for the day, we get chapter 16. In this chapter, they discuss the movements of the 12 months and the associations that can be thought of with those months. Um, when I read this, you're going to see some things that are a bit contradictive some, from some of the other ideas that have been established through some of the earlier chapters. Uh, for example, in this chapter, summer relates to the head and the beginning of winter relates to the heart. 
these are not how they've been described previously, um, especially the heart at winter. The head in summer makes sense because the mind-heart connection. So it makes me think that not all these chapters are meant to highlight the same principle within each other. Um, it might be an accumulation of ideas gathered at the time to help highlight particular ways you could work or particular views that you could take because this idea of heart starting at winter doesn't match with anything previously said. Also, this could just be an error in the copying procedure throughout over a thousand years that this book has been rewritten and copied. This could just be an error in somebody's rewriting that has just stuck with the, the whole time. Um, the real truth is we don't know and we never will. So we can only read it as it's written and try to bring understanding to it. And if we can't, we can refer to the other chapters that might help bring clarity. Um, at least this is the approach of that I take when reading a lot of these things, especially when they don't easily match up with each other. Because of this factor in the chapter, I have actually added my commentary that I wrote within my own rewriting to this chapter. So I'm just going to continue to read my commentary as if it's part of the chapter. So for that reason, it might you might hear odd little things in there that don't match the rest of the phrasing. That's because it's my commentary added to the chapter to help bring clarity for me, right? I have to speculate some because I'm not sure. So some of the writing here or the ideas expressed during some of these things are speculative from my perspective of, you know, reviewing other aspects of the text and thinking about what this could possibly mean. The other thing this chapter adds is it adds a section talking about how to treat each seasonal movement. And I think this is a very important thing. Again, in this chapter, it's written very unclearly. Some speculation is made from me. Again, I will add an extra commentary at the end of the chapter because it's the very last couple sentences that they talk about this idea of treating the seasonal movements. And it really comes down to this idea that there's specific depths in the body or energetic movements that are happening at certain depths during certain times of the seasons. And the idea that I take away from this, and it's in other chapters of the Suen and Ling Shu as well, is this idea of you have to meet the chi at its proper depth to create changes or shifts in the chi. This is where I, I did a podcast on the idea of pleasurable touch versus healing touch. This idea is part of where that podcast comes from. The idea that like matching the chi where it's at in the body is not always a pleasurable touch to the person beneath you. Um, so again, you have to weigh those sort of things when you're working with people and trying to make a living. Uh, if you want more ideas on that, you can definitely go back and listen to that podcast. But it's about meeting the chi at the proper depth in the body for the movements that are happening within it. So let's go ahead and read chapter 16. So it starts, What are the essentials of diagnosis? In the first and second months, the chi of heaven begins to spread. The chi of earth begins to be effused. The chi of man is in the liver. At this time, the sun is low and starts to spread its light. In the third and fourth months, the chi of heaven spreads properly. The chi of earth is effused firmly. The chi of man is in the spleen. Now, this is an odd positioning for the spleen compared with the previous texts. The sun is is in between dawn and peak. This adds to earth as a transitional factor that needs to be there for transformation. 
In the fifth and sixth months, the chi of heaven is abundant. The chi of earth has moved upward. The chi of man is in his head. This is the nature of fire to blaze upward. Also interesting is the head is the place of the orifices, which are ruled by the heart. This is also the time the sun reaches its peak in the sky. In the seventh and eighth months, the yin chi begins to kill. It expresses outward and is now reversed. The chi is in the lung. At this time, the sun begins to set. In the ninth month and the tenth month, the yin chi begins to freeze. The key of the earth begins to close in. The key of man is in the heart. This is an odd positioning for the heart. The sun is between peak and sunset. It is suggested that the yang chi has moved inward and the most influential aspect of the yang movement is heart. So this collects inward to its origin. In the 11th and 12th month, the freezing is repetitive. The chi of the earth is enclosed and the chi of man is in the kidney. So let's review. Spreading starts with the liver. Filling the structures properly with the spreading is spleen. When the body is replete, it means the chi is strongest in the head. Now the transition to condensing inward happens. This is the way of the expression of yang or killing of yang. This is the job of the lung. As the chi begins to collect inward, it is drawn to the heart. This is a new dynamic of the heart introduced here. As I ponder the meaning, I wonder if this is a reference to the original fire of heaven being condensed in to support the Ming men. As everything collects and compacts inward, it begins to settle and freeze. This is the realm of the kidney to collect the essence of everything and protect it for renewal. So in spring, pierce the scattered transporters. Arguments of what this means exactly is unclear. We can assume maybe the points, but if they are being specific to certain ones, it is unclear. We can also pierce the parting structures. Again, this is unclear. This phrase resembles the spaces between. Now, does this mean muscles, interstitial spaces, or joints? It's unclear. In summer, pierce the transporters on the channels. This seems to resemble the more traditional concept of points on the channels. In autumn, pierce the skin along the parting structures. In winter, pierce the transport openings at the parting structures. Spring, summer, autumn, and winter, each has its specific location to be pierced. Take as the pattern of the seasons to have meaning as to where it is located. So that's the end of the chapter with a lot of my commentary added in. Um, I want to look at this idea of the four seasons real quick though and you know, read some more of my thoughts on what they're trying to get at here. So when we look at this chapter, the 12 months have their locations and the four seasons have their locations. So in the spring months, we have the effusion of yang. This means we are looking at points that support this movement on the surface and possibly in the extremities to spread far and wide. Spreading needs to reach everywhere, so treatment isn't specific to the primary channels. In summer, we have the max expression of yang in the exterior. Again, we look to where we can support this movement. This is on the surface, in the primary channels, where things should be moving abundantly. It is important to emphasize that these are shallow treatments and probably quick and stimulating to invite yang to fill the surfaces. 
We can also conclude that it might have the greatest effect on the upper areas of the body, such as the head and the extremities of the arms, but it's not limited to that. In autumn, we are looking to treat under the skin, the spaces below that provide for the surface. As this is a time of gathering inward, we know things are moving deeper. Treatments require longer durations. Patience for the body to collect and absorb needs to be used. As things begin to move inward, blocks can be on the surface anywhere, not just restricted to the primary channels. In winter, everything has collected inward and begun to quiet down and preserve for the time of lacking growth. Think of the animals in hibernation. Since the movements are in the depths, treatments must be able to touch that proper movement. So it too works in the depths. We look to points that access the deep aspect of the body. It is safe to assume we avoid great stimulation on the exterior in fear of eliciting spring too early. We need the yang to stay deep and preserved. So those are my thoughts on kind of what's being expressed in that chapter more in a simplistic way to say it. So this is one thing I want you to think about in the idea of body work, right? This is what I'm always looking for in here is there seems to be some hints towards we need to work at proper depths within the body to elicit proper movements. And I just say, explore this in your own practice, see what happens, right? It gets a little more complicated because I don't always think the idea of this four seasons is meant to mean the four seasons outside. I sometimes think what they're talking about is the four seasonal movements within and how those are matching the movements on the outside. But this is a whole nother concept. This is where I like the idea of the timing inside the body is not matching the timing outside the body. But no need to get into that deep sort of thought process. And I'll never know the answer truthfully. So I hope there was something that you took away from that that has some benefit for you. And again, thanks for giving me your time. And as always, I hope everyone has a great week. And until we meet again, I hope life is fantastic.